Good evening, good evening. Welcome to Black Republican, Black Democrat. I'm your co-host, Jamar Nelson. And I'm your other co-host, Priya Samsonar. Welcome to this kind of weird Saturday. It is. You know, I just described it a little bit before we came on um, as being very Halloween-like weather. You know, every Halloween kind of horror movie that you see, um, there's this kind of just eerie kind of weather that kind of is the precursor for everything that's going to happen, and that's this weather. I would describe it as our theme song, Controversy, okay? <laughs> or as I used to think the words were, Count Your Blessings, okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's October 21st, Priya and I are live. Let's explain to you real quick, give you a little synopsis of how today's show we're going to act for you. We're going to do the next 28 minutes and 25 seconds of live radio, and then because there's a gopher hockey game, we're going to be doing the rest of it in podcast form, so you'll be able to catch the rest of the show like you would in podcast form. So we're not leaving you, leaving you. We're just going to podcast form. Exactly. You're just going to have to wait a little bit longer, and then you can download the free iHeartRadio app, look up Black Republican, Black Democrat, and then you can listen to the show there. Absolutely. Now, you, normally we have a few minutes to talk about what we normally do. So what we're going to do today is a little different. We're going to incorporate our guests into our uh, uh, hot topics. Uh, our guest today is uh, Mayor Candidate, Minneapolis Mayor Candidate Tom Hoke. Welcome to the show. You gotta put it on. There you go. <laughs> How's that? Yeah, now on? you're on. Yes, you're on. you are. And Tom and I are Facebook friends, and today I because I use I, I use text to talk. I text. I just want to say I text to talk. Spelled your name H O K E. And so I didn't pay attention. So I'm driving down the street, and I get a bunch of chimes to my Facebook like, "You spelled your friend's name wrong." <laughs> it's like what? You know, people have been spelling my name wrong for the past 23 yeah. years. I don't know how I you just, can. I, I just want to say that I've gotten 23 Christmas cards from my uncle, and he still hasn't gotten my name right. Your this, uncle? Was it spelled my Preya? uncle. So, Preya? No, so. they spell it the traditional Indian way, so it's P-R-I-Y-A, oh. but my name is spelled P-R-E-Y-A, Yeah. and so okay. never get it wrong. Well, I'll tell you, for Hoke, Hoke is the German spelling, but if you H O C H, but if you spell it H O K E, that's the Danish spelling. Oh, seriously? Mm-hmm. See, that's why. It's a wrong language. Okay. <laughs> wrong language. So you were close. I was close. Okay. One of us was, you know. Well, that's welcome, Tom. Uh, absolutely you. welcome. You know, a few things we have in common. Number one, I used to go to Washburn. You did. I had a cup of coffee at Washburn. Let me just <laughs> let's let's say that I had a cup of coffee at Washburn. But my son is a current Miller. Good. Yes, and so when I learned that you went there, I'm like, okay, so now I kind of got a lot. I got. I'm a South High Tiger myself. So. Okay, well that's nice too. Well, they don't even have windows. <laughs> we have windows. windows. Oh, you do have the little floor. small ones. Yeah. No, they're decent windows. Those little, yeah, but they're like plastic or something. They want to make sure no one escaped. No, they're not. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no, they're not. Stop it. <laughs> that's true. No, so uh, at least it's not north. So Washburn's <gasps> a great school. No, Washburn is a great school. And I have heard great things about it. No, Washburn is, and I, I love to go in there. And um, you graduated from there in what year? I did seventy two. Nineteen seventy two. And just barely. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Really? So I went to this uh, this gathering of Washburn Foundation people a few weeks ago, and there was a teacher of mine there, and I just said to her, "I am so sorry." <laughs> You know, I don't know. I, I, I'm like Tom. I know occasionally when you go to those school gatherings, you do got to find those teachers and say, oh, I'm sorry, Mrs. Such yeah. and such. But you've made a good success of yourself. So at least that, yes, you, uh, you know, yeah. when you go there, you can say, you know, I'm not the janitor here. You or know, custodial the only, engineer. The only way I think I got out of high school, really, because I, I had an apartment. I, you know, didn't didn't live at home. And I had a daughter when I was 16. And your father, I was a father. Yeah, I still am. Yeah, I, I, I was. You don't not stop being one, right? I, I I was one very very early. Okay, and so I was, uh, you know, off on a different tangent than the one uh, that I had intended for myself. I guess when I got into high school, and uh, in order to graduate, I actually went back to my teachers. And I'm like, look, I, you got to graduate me because if you don't graduate me, I'm going to come back here. I'm going to sit in the front row all of next year and make your life miserable. And so they actually let me out. <laughs> You know, I'd have graduated you too. You know, well. yeah, but I, but you know, I got some insights into you know how high school could actually mm-hmm. be more interesting because that yeah. was the problem for me. I just wasn't interested in it. You know, actually, that's how I passed my driver's uh, ed course or my driver's test. Um, I got into the car with the uh, instructor and I looked at him and I was like, I am so sorry if I make any mistakes. You just make me really, really nervous. I passed by one point. So 
I mean, it works. Have I'm you had a great any accidents? I have not caused any accidents. Oh, oh okay. The qualifier. I have, been the, <laughs> I have been the victim of hit and runs, so. <laughs> okay. Really? Yeah. Seriously? Mm-hmm. That's okay. why I have my car that I do now, because some guy oh, on my way to class uh, T-boned me. That's true. And then left the scene. But thank goodness, his license plate fell off of his car, and I was able to pick it up and hand it to the officer. 651-989-5855. 651-989-5855 is that call-in number so that we can ask uh, Mayor or Candidate Tom Hoke any questions that you like, because Tom loves questions. And uh, you know what? What's so snazzy is I, I've been seeing your commercials. I've actually started seeing Fry's, too. So between you and Fry, you know, so you've got some stiff competition there because this commercial is pretty nice. I mean, he's never out of breath in his commercials, and neither out of you. No, I, I'm not. I mean, you guys are doing this in one day. <laughs> <laughs> man. No, but your commercial is very snazzy and very good. I've got some more coming. Oh, do you? Mm-hmm. Oh, man, you're good. So why are you running for, uh, for Minneapolis right. mayor? That's a good question. The, um, well, you know, I was at Hennepin Theater Trust for several years, and I had announced last fall that I was stepping down. And I had some people call me and suggest that I consider running for mayor. They said, you know, you should run for mayor. You'd be good, and you could win. And I said, no, no, I, I don't think so. And then a few more people called me, and so I started to think about it. And, you know, I was looking at our city, and I have worked in the city for a long time in a variety of ways, really trying to make the city the best place it can be. And, you know, I looked and I thought, you know, right now we're just kind of moving from crisis to crisis. You know, there doesn't really seem to be a plan and we don't really seem to make progress on things. I looked at, you know, affordable housing and, you know, we haven't made progress on that. I look at homelessness and it's worse than it was four years ago. You know, we have seemingly worse relationships between the community and the police department. And I thought this is just not heading in the right direction. And I feel like I have worked in the community you know, for a long time doing lots of things that bring people together to create solutions around problems. And I thought, you know, I have the skills to do a good job as mayor, so I'm going to throw my hat in the ring and, you know, deliver for the people of Minneapolis. Well, a lot of when you speak of relationships between the police and community, you're absolutely right about that relationship has eroded over the last four years. It has. And you do need a, a strong mayor to bridge the gap and not to pander when he or she thinks is needed and depending on the, uh, the, the situation that is uh, current. Yep. Um, but a lot of the African-American community, especially Northsiders, we're, um, we're a little disappointed with you because when you were there at HUD, we thought that a, the, a lot of the makeup were to um, push a lot of the black residents out of their residence, out of the city and into the suburbs. Mm-hmm. Um, when you talk about affordable housing, it became unaffordable, even in our own communities, because of the new housings that was put up. And it was all through HUD. And you were there at the time. Mm-hmm. So you've got to do you've got to explain to us. Sure. How is it now that we can trust you when we think that a, a part of the division that that's taking place now was because we were pushed out of our own homes? Yeah. So I think what you're referring to is the, the resolution of the Holman lawsuit. Yes, ma'am. And yes, sir, the, sir, the, sir. That's right. The, uh, and the Public Housing Authority, along with the city and uh, the Met Council and others in HUD, were sued um, by a group of tenants alleging that the original siting of the Sumner Olson Glenwood Lindell projects was motivated by race discrimination. And... Uh, I was uh, at the Housing Authority then, and as we were beginning to enter discovery, I looked at the situation. I said, I think the plaintiffs are right. I think that was, in fact, the motivation. And so when we did that, it opened the door to um, achieving a settlement. So I was able to work with uh, then-Mayor Sharon Sells-Belton and Cora McCorvey, and we went to Washington and negotiated with Henry Cisneros and brought $100 million back from Washington to address some of those issues. Now, the result of that was that the Sumner Olson Glen Rolindo pro- projects were demolished. Is that and, how Heritage Park got started? Yeah, that's Heritage Park that okay. we have today. The idea being that it was a new mixed income development. <clears throat> now, one of the challenges with that lawsuit, and this is, I don't mean to get too much in the weeds, but one of the challenges is the $100 million wasn't just in a check. You had to fit within specific programs and existing appropriations. So it was a little of this, a little of that, a little of that in mm-hmm. order to get to the resolution that we had. But we also had Newt Gingrich coming into power and he was threatening to pull back all the existing appropriations so we were also kind of under the gun to make something happen so that was the nature of the settlement to sort of 
you know, the, not the way you'd exactly want it to be, but the best we could all put together at that time. So the idea was to create a new mixed income development opportunity on the near north side and also to create a large-scale housing mobility program with counseling to enable people with housing assistance with with assist uh, subsidy to take their subsidy and use it wherever they wanted in the metropolitan area so that was the initial goal to see that that would happen so i've got another question about it on the other side of the break here because i mm-hmm. think that that's kind of where like i said we're getting into the weeds because i think that uh, that's where the voucher system known as section eight started and i think that i I'm not sure if that wasn't um, a Band-Aid provided, just put on a wound um, that today still exists. So uh, I'll let you answer that on the other side of the break. Priya, you looking like you got like several questions. I see your eyes just. <laughs> <laughs> this is welcome to Black Republican, Black Democrat, guys. Twit Priya, <clears throat> can you take us out of the break? Yeah, so tune in. Uh, keep, in keep it on your dial here. We're going to be coming back to you here in like 30 seconds. This is Twin Cities News Talk and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. Welcome back to Black Republican Black Democrat. I'm your co-host, Jamar Nelson. And I'm Priya Samsadar. No, we don't got long, so you got a few seconds. Do you know who this is? I, I don't. I don't oh. know who it is. Oh, Tom, do you know who this is? Uh, yeah, I, I do, but I can't remember. The, the name escapes you. <laughs> Stan, can you tell us who it is? I can sing it. This is Phil Collins. This yeah. <laughs> also of Genesis. Genesis, yeah, yeah. This is one, now, this is my, one of my favorite Genesis songs. This is my favorite Genesis song. Let's remember our ages here for a quick second. But you listen, though, but this is the age of everything is replayed YouTube and uh, Pandora and everything. This is what I listen to Green Day. Green who? Exactly. Green Day's all right. Green Day's good. Back in the day, they were good. I I listen to ACDC. They're in a Dr. Seuss book or something, right? Well, that's green eggs and ham. Oh, well, you know. Close. Close. <laughs> Welcome back, guys. Welcome back. We've got Tom Hoke, Mayor or Minneapolis Mayor or Candidate Tom Hoke as our guest today. Tom, yeah. as we were saying, so do you think that um, that HUD provided these the, the Section 8 and these type of vouchers just to put a Band-Aid on the existing problem, which we still think that was trying to push a lot of, because to date, still a lot of African and black and brown families that used to live in the city now are in Brooklyn Park, Brooklyn Center, and Champlin, and those, and not that they're not in nice homes, but some some of them aren't because they can afford it, but now they have these vouchers. And I think that you're only allowed to be on Section 8 for, what well, I don't know, uh, 16, 18 years. I've known people be on it quite long. But it's a, it's, it's a crutch. So was that something Hood was doing to mask the problems that that the community thought were uh, were uh, racist had racial racial connotations or because uh, I don't understand now how well it, well I think I think that that the reality is is that we has had large concentrations of people with no money right mm-hmm. and yes. so not, you know it was yes. hard to find there was no economy there so consequently there were no services available mm-hmm. there wasn't a corner store there wasn't a dry cleaners and i think the idea was to provide people with housing choice so that they could create a better future for themselves and w- however that would look now i think it would be naive to say that every choice that everyone made was a, in retrospect the best choice, but the idea was to enable people to exercise choice because they hadn't had any prior to that time. So that was, that was the goal. Okay. And you know, we, you know, know, that was 20 years ago. We probably have some better or different ideas about how choice gets exercised now. How would you do it now? You know, I think that I would still, uh, I, I think that probably what I would do is still have a heavy counseling component and assist individuals in realizing their choice, but I think I would be more fluid in what that looked like. HUD used to have a very strong policy about concentration. They called it concentrations of assisted housing, which usually meant that there was a concentration of poverty associated with it, Mm -hmm. and what they wanted to do was break that up. What was missed, I think, in that conversation was breaking apart neighborhoods and relationships 
And I think that there was probably Mm -hmm. not enough attention given to that. So in retrospect, I think we didn't do a very good job there. But creating opportunity for individuals to live where they wanted is a worthy goal. And the counseling was intended to assist with that. So, okay, as mayor, um, how do we go about, because here's the thing, it's a lot of lip service paid to those type of uh, crisis, Mm -hmm. right? How do we make people that don't have, and and let's be real, a lot of, we talk about North Minneapolis, South Minneapolis, and and further, we talk about people that are in low-wage jobs, low-income housing, and they can't afford housing. How do we make people that don't have perfect credit scores, we know that they have low credit scores, how do we make them homeowners? And not some, not, not the 10 years ago, the predatory lending type of thing, but I th- to help them realize a real goal here in the city is to be a homeowner. <clears throat> how do we go? How would a mayor, uh, how, how does Mayor Hope go about that? Well, I think uh, the best thing we can do for everyone in our community is to ensure that they have a good paying job. That, I mean, that's fundamental. Because when individuals have money in their pocket, they can support themselves and their families, and then they can make decisions about where and how they want to live. Were you for the fight for Are you for the uh, uh, the proposed? Well, it's in action. The fight for fifteen. Are you? Yeah. I didn't like the way it was implemented. I thought that you know the city, the mayor and city council did not do what they said they would do, and that was listen to everybody in our community before they acted. They said they'd hold sixteen listening sessions after they were halfway through that. They came out and said, well, we've got enough votes and we're going to go with the 15 now and with no no tip, tip credits. The So here's the reality. That is an ordinance, as you were suggesting, and my job as mayor is to ensure that the annual report that is done each year is a really robust one so we can really understand what's happening in our community. So if there are businesses that are fleeing, if there are fewer jobs actually being created or sustained, we know what that is. You know what? My... I would love to see no negative impact at all, that everyone is making more money and that it's playing out exactly the way we'd like it to. I just don't know if that will happen, and we're going to have to ask the community and be really sincere in asking. Word. I guess, and we've had this conversation time and time again where I'm kind of, I'm against the fight for 15 and this idea that everybody, you know, the minimum wage should start at $15. Um, Just because there are small mom and pop shops, you know, especially in North Minneapolis, you know, it's Part, it was part of the American dream at one point to own a house, own your own business, be your own boss kind of thing. And I think, you know, especially from a generation where my parents immigrated to this country and saw something like that happen, we have gravitated away from that. And I think, you know, it's so hard, you know, with all the regulations, all the stipulations, all the um, money you need to pour in, you know, with taxes, uh, regulatory fees, et cetera, to start and create your own business. It's already hard to start a business. But then having to add in a component where it's like, on top of your overhead, you need to pay, you know, $15 minimum wage. Um, you have to provide health care, um, you know, et cetera. The list goes on. It becomes very hard for people to start a business, much less man- maintain one. And that e- and that puts a lot of burden, especially on uh, immigrant or m- Immigrant uh, communities, you know, like, you know, the Somali communities, I believe the last statistic I heard was, uh, you know, Somalis make up uh, 30 percent of the business owners here are small business owners here in the state of Minnesota. But I mean, for those communities, $15 minimum wage when they're only catering to their own community is going to, you know, knock them out of business. You know, we're already seeing that. It's going to be done gradually. And I used to, you know, be a strong proponent of it as well until I started working at my current job. I work at a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and, and we're responsible for getting uh, one of the organizations that's responsible for getting passed. And so what I like, we, we sit down and have real rigorous debates about it. And so they had to make me change my forethought, Tom. Um, I think it's important for people to have a livable wage. It's, and it, it doesn't trickle down to the black and brown communities, and, and not even that, poor white people. And po- just poor communities in Minneapolis, it doesn't trickle down. So I think that that uh, community organizations like NAC and other organizations were forced to do things like this because businesses, they weren't hiring at a rapid pace like the Republicans would have you think. Yep. And we have yet to see, I, I know about the Seattle um, uh, report, but we have yet to see any correlation of raising the minimum wage and the loss of jobs. But we've seen that in Seattle and San Francisco. That's, that's, and we've, you, I, I no, can show give you the you same example. report I'll, that debunks that, 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 that. I'll give you an example. Uh, you know, McDonald's, 
big corporation, multi-million dollar, you know, they have literally a store in every corner. You know, this is a, this is a business that made the decision to say, hey, you're raising $15 uh, minimum wage. We're going to do to you what we did in Japan, and we're going to automate everything. We're going to have one person that will pay $15 minimum wage to watch all the machines, and then you can go up to the kiosk and order yourself. This is happening in Seattle. This that, is happening well, in San Francisco. I, I think the other thing is, is you know, it would be easy to point to McDonald's. However, most of those are franchise operations, so they're actually all kind of their own small business. Right. So, But I do think the reality right now is we don't know exactly how this is going to play out. I would love to see it have no negative consequences and only positive. I think we just don't know, and right. our obligation is to make sure that we're paying attention as we go forward. we got to talk about crime. Um, Jacob Fry, they had an article a couple of weeks ago uh, lambasting him about uh, his inaction of, about and inattentiveness about the crime that's uh, rising in downtown Minneapolis. Um, you've created a lot. You've worked a lot in downtown Minneapolis. So as a mayor, what do you do to change the... the because what, what I know as a black man is... The, and, I, and I've actually been someone that said I want to see uh, a, a higher police presence, but I also know the reality that the higher police presence there is, the more arrests there are for black and brown people. And that is a true stat. How do, what, how do we go about uh, trying to nip crime in the bud and not make all the rest uh, look mm-hmm. like they're uh, racist intended? Targeted. Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, if we step just a, a little bit back from downtown, when I talk about about crime and safety, public safety, you know, the way I look at it is looking at outcomes. And, you know, I think it's by, I look at it by neighborhood. And here's what I'd like to see, you know, as mayor. I'll, first of all, I'll survey everyone at least once a year. And the outcomes that I'm driving towards is I'd like to see at least 90 percent of individuals in every community say, I feel my neighborhood is safe. And 90 percent mm-hmm. of those individuals to say, I have a high degree of confidence in the Minneapolis Police Department. So it's how how do you feel about your neighborhood and how do the police treat you? And if we aren't at 90 and 90, then we know we have work to do and we need to deploy strategies in that neighborhood to address those outcomes and move the dial closer. So that downtown is a neighborhood as well. Now, it's, you know, I, there's a lot of focus on downtown and I appreciate that. And I know a lot about that having run the theaters downtown for a long time. But we also have other issues around the city that we can't Mm -hmm. stop looking at, you know, in terms of making sure that neighborhoods are safe. And I was just out in East Phillips the other night doing a neighborhood watch, you know, with a group of residents there. But we need to be driving towards that. So here's what I would do specifically, though, for downtown is, first of all, we have to have collaboration. We need to get everybody at the table. We need to get businesses. We need to get Hennepin County judges. We need to get Metro Transit, you know, along with our own police force. And all working together because that's the only way you're going to be able to effectively address the issues that are there. And that includes, by the way, the school district, too. So we all come together. Go ahead. No, no, no I just wanted to – I don't want to – man, because I love this. I, and I told you you can keep going, too. So <laughs> here's the other thing. we got a uh, break here because okay. we're going to go podcast form. So this is Black Republican, Black Democrat on Twin Cities News Talk on TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. And enjoy the gopher game. Go gophers, I guess. Go gophers. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Welcome back to Black Republican, Black Democrat. I'm your co-host, Jamar Nelson. I'm Priya Samsonar. And don't ask me because I already, I'm going to just let you know I don't know who this is. No, I was is. just going to be a little smoother with my voice. Welcome back to Black Republican, Black Democrat. I'm your co-host, Jamar Nelson. No. Midnight Love. No. This is Frankie Beverly and Mays, golden time no. of day. I'm just going to, listen, your homework next week, you're going to have to pick some old school, old school sound, uh, uh, bumper music, okay? That's going to be your job. Why don't you listen to some ACDC or yeah, some Green Day? Yeah, I'm, I'm literally Because well, I don't know who the heck they are. I'm literally going to... She don't know who this is. I'm literally oh, going to come out, like, picking, like, ACDC, the Sex Pistols, uh, the Ramones. That is what I'll be bringing in. No. 
He's at old school I'm all music. For it for no. He's at old school music, right? No. That's older school, yeah. You're going to be overruled, is what you're going to be. <laughs> overruled. I'm with you. You're with me. See, he wants the old school. Yeah. Now, this is a man that has a picture on his profile with the beautiful Miss Deborah Cox. I don't know who that is either. Oh, okay. I'm 23, guys. Yeah, you gotta okay. cut me some don't slack. Don't be using your age, Deborah. <laughs> she, no, first of all, she she's gorgeous, and, and I was just telling Tom on the way up that, uh, that um, she had a song that's called uh, "Nobody's Supposed to Be There." Or I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Nobody. Oh gosh, see, I, I now I'm tongue tied. I can't think of the name of it. Anyway, it's a beautiful battle that Montel Jordan. You know who Montel? This is how we do it, Montel. Okay. Um. <laughs> He wrote for, and uh, I mean, it just abs- <laughs> it just abs- <laughs> see. We need our camera in here so we can see what my producer. <laughs> it's a beautiful song, and she's a gorgeous lady. And Tom took a picture with her. Okay, I'm like jealous. He takes pictures <laughs> with all type of beautiful chicks, ladies. Right. That women. was my past life. I was a Tony voter, and no, were you? I was. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, no, I was one of there's like 700 Tony voters in the country. Is it that many? No, is it that many? Yeah. It was great. It was great. So I would go to New York to look at shows, and the producers would want me to, you know, see their show and vote on it for a Tony Award. So I always had like fifth row center seats. It was great. Oh wow! It was really one of the really great, you know, perks of my position at Hennepin Theater Trust. Absolutely. Yeah. And so you know what? Let me congratulate you because I think that that's uh, not done enough. Uh, because that and it isn't lip service. You have done a tremendous job. You and whomever else. Uh, participated in that, uh, making um, that area beautiful. It is really beautiful. I remember Thank you. Um, when it was just the Whitney Hotel and there was nothing around there, just industrial looking, and it was ugly. It was an eyesore. And so, uh, man, I mean, um, I don't know whose all ideals there were to get that such build up back there, Tom, but that, man, you guys did a beautiful job. Thanks. Yeah. So it took a lot of people, but saving those historic theaters was really, you know, really. Uh, special for our community and really tied us to the past and yet today they play a, a current real role in our community in terms of economic vitality and creating jobs and do they no yeah. do they really i mean because totally the, and we are like jobs... number five we are number five in in the uh, broadway touring market we um i mean all of the jobs the stage hands you know all the people who work in the theaters there's a lot of jobs there's hundreds of jobs that have been created there wow okay. yeah we brought back we brought back really the stagehand industry to the city. Wow. Uh, but I think that what's important uh, is, again, the, the lack there of the relationship that exists between the Minneapolis police, as you stated, and um, the mayor right now, the current mayor, Bessie Hodges. A lot of us are disappointed um, mm-hmm. in the fact that um, I'm not sure she would differ, obviously, uh, but I'm, I'm not sure she's focused on or cares about the erosion of the relationship. Um, I think we we find it so convenient that she fired the police chief during the shooting of uh, uh, Justine, Justine Damon. 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 Yeah. And um, and why not two or three previous shootings of those unarmed black men? Mm-hmm. Um, how important is it to you? <clears throat> And would it be going forward as a mayor to have a prosperous relationship just specifically between the black and brown communities and the police? Because there's there's practically none. You say police around black and brown people, they run. They don't want to have they don't want to communicate with them. That's why a lot of crimes don't get solved, because we don't have a relationship with them. So I well, I I agree with you on, on several fronts there. I think that. A relationship with the black and brown community, with our indigenous communities, you know, goes beyond law enforcement because it's essential that we're talking in a broader way and law enforcement is just one of the conversations, one of the points of Mm -hmm. interaction that we need to have. So, you know, supporting leadership, you know, throughout the city, uh, having a staff that looks like the community is and having people at the table is really going to be important to me. So I will. That's my charge is to make that work. When we, as we think about the oversight of the police department, you know, my job as mayor is to ensure that I have hired the best 
police office, police chief I can find. And then to make sure that as I was talking about those outcomes, to make sure that the police uh, chief and the community are working together on those outcomes. And again, it's about do you feel your neighborhood is safe and do you feel you have a good relationship with the police department? And if we are doing that and if I'm ensuring that that's happening, we should address those issues that you were just talking about. Uh, uh, Chief Arredondo. Um, I think I'm I'm extremely proud of him to be the first <clears throat> black mayor of Minneapolis, uh, first black <laughs> chief of uh, Minneapolis. Um, uh, is that, number one is that a, was that a, an important uh, choice for you? Or I know that you didn't make what I mean. Was that was that important to you? Was that an important choice to make? Yes. Or do you think the mayor was pandering when she picked uh, Arredondo? Well, I, I can't speculate on what her motivations are, but I know Rondo. I've known him since he was a rookie because he actually worked with me when I was at the housing authority. So okay. I'm, okay. we are not strangers to okay. each other. And he was uh, the first precinct commander when I was at the theater, so we interacted quite a bit. So okay. we're not at all strangers. I have a very high degree of confidence in him. Good. My job as mayor will be to, because his contract you know, will run for for all of 2018 would be to make an assessment in the first six months. Do we, do I think this is the right fit? Can he do what I need him to do to serve the community? And if the answer is yes, you know, we will move ahead. If it's no, then I need to go in a different direction. And I don't, by the way, I say that not to suggest that I've decided what yeah, I'm yeah, saying yeah, yeah, yeah. is I have a totally open mind about that and we'll do that with every department head. But, but, but what if, uh, if, uh, six months, eight months you decide, uh, this is, he's not working out. But the community, he has the strong backing of the community. Do you be like Mary Hodges and try to just go against what the community says and get rid of them? Or, or how, do, how, would, how do you address that? Well, I would hope that if I found myself in the situation of making a different decision, that the community would be have already had conversations with me and would understand where I was coming from. So it's not going to be a surprise to anyone. It's the product of a lot of conversations, a lot of communication back and forth. So accessibility, correct me if I'm wrong of what I'm hearing, accessibility is important to you. Yes. And you plan to be an accessible mayor. Yes. You know, I, I have to say the reason why I kept voting for Ryback is because one of the reasons why, as I say to you all the time, I'm kind of old school, is I met him. I, I never forget, I met him downtown. Downtown Minneapolis, he used to walk downtown very <laughs> frequently, okay? And when I met him downtown, I was just like, I mean, I knew who he was, but it was like, the mayor walking downtown. He had one bodyguard with him, not a whole slew of them, very personable. Um, I, you know, I have things to say about them since, but anyway, uh, I, I thought, though, I think that's important. This accessibility too. is important. So I keep hearing you say that, and, and I, I support that. That's wonderful because that's how you build relationships right. with people by getting out to know them, not sitting behind your desk, nope. sending out mm -hmm. this particular person or that particular person who you think has a relationship. And that's what I, and I'm going to be critical about Mayor Hodges. That's what I think she does now. She sends out this black guy or this black person mm -hmm. that she thinks or has a relationship in the mm -hmm. black and brown communities. And she doesn't know. She gets word from them instead of being there. I but don't I, want a, a an absent mayor. But I think that's that. with a lot of jobs. I mean, you know, you can choose to either, you know, that's why Tom is know, running though. That's stay the that's the behind difference. the scenes, be the person, you know, that operates and is, you know, the Wizard of Oz, so to speak. You know, don't pull back up, that curtain. Yeah. Exactly, don't pull back the curtain. Sending out your minions yeah. to do yeah. your business, so, or you're going to go out there and you know get the job done and be very, you know interactive and uh, accommodating and accessible. So, so the, you know, this is a conversation really about management style. So I can tell you what I've done in the past and okay. what I would intend to do in the future. So when I was at the housing authority, you know, I was a deputy executive director and I w felt that I was always accessible. The way I helped manage that that large, it was 21st largest housing authority in the country, is I went out at night and I, on my way home, I would, oh, I'd say, I'm going to pick these high-rises tonight and I'd stop and I'd walk the high-rises, I'd walk the stairwells, I'd talk to residents to find out what was going on so that I knew. So it was unfiltered, the information I got. It wasn't through a work order. If there were complaints in the building, I didn't have to wait two weeks to get some watered-down version, I could hear exactly what residents were talking about. So I was out there. I was present. When I was, you know, at Hennepin Theater Trust, I was at the theater at night talking to patrons, listening to what their experience was about. I was on Hennepin Avenue, walking around, making sure that I was 
I was understanding the experience that people were having, everyone on Hennepin Avenue. So that's how I manage. But by the same token, you know, I am not, you know, this is not a big ego trip for me. So I am perfectly happy with having department heads show up and talk on their own about, you know, their role. I think that's how you build a team. Give people recognition, give them clear direction, give them recognition for their accomplishments and let them go out and talk about it. That's... Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's a, that, to me, that's how you manage a complex operation like the city of Minneapolis. Tom, uh, uh, I'm, and I'm sp- specific with these questions. Wh- uh, whom do you have a relationship in the black community, Native American community, mm-hmm. uh, Somali community? Mm-hmm. Whom, mm-hmm. And the who, Hmong community. And the Hmong, thank you. And the yeah. Hmong communities. Whom do you have a relationship with specifically? And if if not no one... Um, how do you intend to go about uh, build, building a relationship with these uh, communities? Well, let me start by color. saying that that's really good. The way that I build relationships is the way that I have always built relationships. And we were actually just talking about that, about being out, about being present, about listening, mm-hmm. and then acting on what one hears. I mean, the worst thing in the world is to to presuppose what people want and where their you know what their designs are, and then issue you know an edict which is inconsistent with what they want. So really going out and listening with people, and I actually think that there are, I have lots of relationships with lots of different people in in various communities, and you know, on that. Oh yeah, uh, air. <laughs> but I need you to be specific now. In the black community, whom can so you- I would go to Don Samuels, for example. Don? I would. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I would go to what, know, the Somali community. The Somali community. I would go to probably uh, my friend Osman Ahmed. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Hmong community. You know, I don't. I'm not sure who I would go to there. Right I appreciate now. the honesty. Yeah, and I'm sa- same with the Native, no, Native American. Yeah. No, okay. I'm not entirely sure. I mean, I would go to Robert Lilligren because of his role. Yep. Yeah. You know, but but so you know that's where I would go right now. But I don't. You know, I don't presuppose that the relationships I have now are the same relationships that I'll have later on, you know, mm-hmm. as mayor. Is that good or bad? What do you mean? Oh, I just think that I, I may develop, I would hope that I would develop additional relationships with leaders. I think one of the things that I can do as mayor is help support the leadership in a variety of communities across our city so that we have leaders everywhere. That's something that I could do. I, I like this, dude. <laughs> we got more questions. We got more with Tom Hope. On the other side of the break, this is Black Republican, Black Democrat on Twin Cities New Talk at TwinCitiesNewTalk.com. <laughs> Welcome back to <laughs> Black Republican, Black Democrat. I'm your co-host, Jamar Nelson. And I'm Priya Samsonar. And I'm going <laughs> to say Marilyn again. Manson? I do not know. She started shaking her head before. <laughs> I, we, I go af- we go I didn't even through this my mouth. week after week. Okay, I'm gonna go I just I'm trying to get your repertoire of music up. You know, you gotta, you know, you gotta build it up a little, pre pre. Well, I guess listen. So you teach me the genre of ACDC and all of them. You know, it's a few white folks, and I'm a, I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm going to uplift you more with, you know, more urban music, okay? I do listen to urban music, but it's not But not you listen to the newer music. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's right. That was I Marvin I listen to my uh, my generation. That was Marvin Gaye, by the way. That oh, was Marvin Gaye. I mean, I can pick out a few Marvin Gaye songs. After the dance, and that's that that Oh man, that's a beautiful. What about thing. Luther Vandross? Oh, this oh. is why I like this dude. <laughs> I, I did not tell them that was my favorite singer. <laughs> I did not tell Tom Hoke that. How, do you really like Luther Vandross? Yes, I do. You, know you just what? found a friend for life. I swear, I'm trying to be. I'm. I, I'm. I'm. I'm trying not to cast ballots right now. Okay. <laughs> no, I actually. I've been to three Luther concerts, and they're the. Oh, I, okay. We're not talking about him. Is, I'll be here all day. And it's Have great. You been to one late night music, right? I like this guy. I mean, this is like the lights go down and Luther comes on. And, oh yeah. man, you make. <laughs> Luther is a Luther is the reason why a lot of kids have been made. Okay, yeah. All I right. thought that I was right. Super Bowls, according to the NFL. <laughs> Super Bowls. Haven't you seen the last like two Super Bowls? Like the last two years for Super Bowls? No. They have the commercials like with the really cute kids, and they're like, "These are our Super Bowl babies." And I was like, "Yeah, we got you. We but got you, NFL." I don't think many men make kids on Super Bowl Sunday. 
They might be born on Super Bowl Sunday, but we're not. We're no, they're two. saying the after party and after the team <laughs> wins. Dude, that with the picture. Okay. I shouldn't have to spell this out for you. Come yeah, I'm, on. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm... I guess power outages have the same effect. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like that. One for Tom. Yeah. I like that. Um, so what I like, though, <laughs> seriously, <laughs> is that you're not sitting here pandering because this is Keep It Real Radio. And I, I appreciate you not making up people that you had uh, just uh, fake relationships with the, in the community with. What I appreciate hearing is you saying that what you would do is back up the leaders in those particular communities. And that's what we need. I, I don't think they get it enough. Um, I think that a lot of times um, uh, I, always, I, I just want to go back to saying how the fact that I think Mayor Hodges has put a lot of Band-Aids on different type of scrapes and deep wounds. Um, and I don't mean to blame her because I think that it's not like she inherited the best situation. I mean, let's be real. But I don't think that she uh, went about it the, the right way of trying to get out of it. Number one, raising property taxes, Tom, is important. No one wants... Every single year. Yes. Well, the first year and then now you're proposing it again. <sighs> 20% over the last four years, and the projection uh, in her current plan is to raise them 32% over the next five. Will you – okay, and I know this is easy for you to sit here and say yeah, no right out, off the bat, but um, you're a smart dude, and you've worked with numbers, big numbers before. And uh, you looked at her budget. Um, would you right off the bat raise property taxes, or what do you do to prevent ra the raising of property taxes? So – you know, when we think about that, you know, I can't sit here today and say, yes, I'll do it or no, I won't. But what you can be assured of is that I will take a hard look, you know, at the revenue that the city thinks it needs and do a hard, you know, a hard look at the expenditures. How are we doing the work that we're doing? Is there a better way to do it? You know, when we look at contracting and, you know, how we... You know, how we get work done. One of the drivers of some of these big projects, like, for instance, Nicollet Mall, is, you know, risk and how we allocate risk in those contracts. And where, you know, a lot of the risks that we assign to the contractor are for things that never happen, but we end up paying for it. If we say, well, you have to assume responsibility for this and this and this and this, that adds costs. And so is there a way that we could actually have a better relationship with contractors and say, here are the risk issues. Let's figure out how we're going to manage them and not just shove them off on the contractor. Because if you've got city staff who are driven to do everything they can to sort of protect themselves, you know, that drives up the cost. So let's have a different conversation about how we can can manage risk in those big projects and then save the tax, taxpayer money. I mean, those are just some of the ways that we could look at things. And that's really across the board. Do you think that it's um, um, pandering or do you think that it's, it's, it's um, um, what's another word here? When, when you, you being uh, a minority, I mean, um, as a mayor, um, and would be the first openly gay mayor in Minneapolis, right? Um, would you find it, would you have a hard time, or would you, uh, uh, i got to find a way to ask this question. How do you go about looking out for other minorities, or do you worry about people saying that because we elected you, now you're going to be your agenda is going to be set to look out for those that are in the gay community and the black and brown community? But also, as a minority, isn't that important to maybe not set an agenda that, or or to set an agenda that um, affects them in a positive way? So, um, you know, the way I think about it is that it gives me a lens into the situation that others face when they are not part of the majority. And so I would hope that what I'll bring to the table is in, in addition to integrity and creativity and tenacity is compassion. So I will understand what the situations are that people on the outside are facing and figure out ways to address it. You know, it's interesting. I actually uh, just served as the chair of the Minneapolis Downtown Council. Mm -hmm. Now, it's a little unusual because I was running a nonprofit arts organization, and I'm openly gay, and that is the first time the Downtown Council has had someone like that, uh, you know, as the chair. And, you know, I, I gained a lot of insights into what that was like, but, but you know, there there is a way forward, and I figured it out and it was mostly you know hard work and building relationships and bringing people together but but 
I, I just, I know what that's about. I know what the formula was. I know how it felt at times. And I would hope that I can bring that to other people to actually open more doors. Because when we think about the mayor of Minneapolis, their big job, the really big job is to make sure that everyone in our community can achieve their full potential, that every door is open. And so everything I'm thinking about should be through that lens. Now, I'm going to steer us a little bit in a different direction here for a moment because I want to give you the opportunity to clear the air. Um, you have gotten a lot of flack from your competitors um, in the past few weeks. Uh, you know, people have been digging through <clears throat> campaign finance and have noted um, that you um, have been associated with donations to Republican candidates like Rich Stanek, uh, you know, the HRCC, et cetera. Um, and they've been saying, oh, well, you're not really a Democrat. You're not really, you know, a liberal and I want to give you the opportunity to take as much time as you want to clear the air and say your piece about this, because I don't think a lot of people have taken the time to really hear what you have to say about this. Right. And I want to you give you donated the to Republicans. No, I'm just <laughs> and I want to give you the uh, air um, and the time to really just uh, make your case about right, right. why this doesn't matter right, or why right. it does. Happy to talk about happy to talk about it. So let me just say that the mayor of Minneapolis doesn't get to deal with just Democrats mm -hmm. that, you know, at the state, you know, there are there. It is dominated by Republicans. Right and now. Yep. whether I like it or not isn't really germane. Mm -hmm. It is what it is. These are people who were democratically elected. Now, I might not like a lot of what they stand for. I might not like their policies, but that really isn't the question. So when we deal with someone like Rich Stanek, my job as both the head of the downtown council, the chair, and as the president of Hennepin Theater Trust was to do everything I could to promote safety on Hennepin Avenue. That was what I was focused on. That's what I was doing. That's why I was engaged with, with uh, Sheriff Stanek. Now, I appreciate fully the fact that he has, after, by the way, after my contributions, you know, participated in some activities that are repugnant to me and to others in our community. But at the time that I donated to him, my role was to make sure that I had as much presence on Hennepin Avenue that made it open and welcoming to everyone. So that is the lens. Now, with respect to a contribution to the House Republican Caucus, um, I, you know, I look at that and I say, the reason I was involved with that is because I was a leader with Minnesota Citizens for the Arts, which is the arts advocacy organization for the state mm -hmm. of Minnesota. The Republican caucus was driving the agenda on legacy funds that are millions of dollars that support arts organizations across the state. Mm -hmm. It was an opportunity for me and other arts leaders mm -hmm. across the metro area to participate with in conversation with them. And I dare say that we did very, very well in terms of serving arts organizations across the state. So do I regret that? Not at all, because the outcome is something that was very positive for arts organizations, including my own across the state. So mm -hmm. that's where that sits. Now, I just want to add one other thing, and that is that, uh, you know, I have, among any of the candidates, you know, in this race, supported Democratic candidates and Democratic causes financially well beyond what any of these people has even dreamed of. And I'm happy to make that available. But I have been in the trenches doing the work with Democrats, hosting events, you know, for years. Mm -hmm. And I'm happy, you know, my record as a Democrat is really, really an outstanding one that I'm proud of. Mm -hmm. And I'm happy to share it with anybody who wants to see it. Was the, well, Now, were those contributions, uh, were you playing politics? Were those contributions um, a little wink, wink, nod, nod? Um, um, uh, were you asking for some type of favors? Uh, you know, or those just were contributions to someone that you had to gain a relationship with and thought so, that, hey, uh, this is guys worthy of being reelected or what, yeah, what were the yeah, reasons? Yeah, I mean, this is relationship building. I mean, that's what it was about. It was about maintaining a relationship, showing up at fundraisers for individuals, hosting fundraisers for the governor. You know, I mean, I great example. I hosted I've hosted fundraisers for Al Franken and okay. for Mark Dayton. I haven't ever asked them for anything. I did it because I understand that their policy positions are important ones, and I have done that for candidates across the board. And by the way, I have given to Democratic candidates where I don't agree with everything they've ever done, Word. and that's just the way it goes. But did he give to you? Did he donate to you? To your knowledge, Stanek? Do you know? Do you, no, 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 no. Okay, okay. okay. I don't think Stanek. Stanek doesn't live. I don't think he lives in the Twin Cities. He's a. 
Hennepin County Sheriff. Well, I mean, Hennepin County encompasses. I mean, I know how huge it is, but well, that's true. I guess he doesn't. Outside of Minneapolis. I always think, you know, I guess so, when you're a city boy, you do think. You know, yeah. <laughs> so a- anyway, so I am proud of what I've accomplished, you know, for arts organizations and for our city and, you know, am happy to stand up, mm-hmm. you know, you know, with any action that I've taken. You know, I, have I don't s- shy away from that. I would just say it's commendable because, you know, I've heard, you know, there are politicians, unfortunately, out there who have said, you know, that they only represent their party, um, you know, rather than, you know, the whole group, you know, collective group that lives in that district, um, you know, despite, you know, their personal political or, pers- you know, personal ideology, um, you know, politicians have come out and said, you know, well, I don't represent them. I only represent, you know, the people that voted for me. So I think it's really refreshing to hear someone say, well, you know what? There aren't just, li- you know, just liberals in the city of Minneapolis. There are conservatives. There are independents. There are, yeah, well, you know, and I just socialists want to say and constitutionalists. That, and I'm willing to work with all of them. That, that, you know, this should should underscore the fact that, you know, I haven't spent years running for political office. I'm not a politician. What I do is the best thing job I can for the position that I'm in, and that's what I've done here. And you can count on me as the mayor of Minneapolis to put the citizens of the and the needs of the city of Minneapolis above anything of my own. I'm not running for anything else. All I want to do is be the best mayor I can be. Absolutely. Where can we find you? Where can people donate and find out more information about Tom Hope? Great. You can just go to tom 4 com, And if you want to donate, it's just slash donate. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen your signs. Your signs are snazzy. Thank you. And so are your commercials. I mean, this is a competitive race. Yeah, I uh, got some of the literature in the mail this week, and I was like, yes, wow, this is the first like, mayoral like literature I've gotten. So Was it mine? Yeah, it was oh, yours. Good. <laughs> yeah, no, you're flooding. You're, you're doing a good job. You guys are doing a good job. So I want we absolutely bid you good luck. And, uh, Thank you. Thank you. Come back before the race is over. Happy um, to. And, uh, you know, and come back. If you win, come back, too. Give us an exclusive on that, too, right, Puri? Yes, definitely. Uh, come back that. either way. Yeah, yes, we, come back know, either way. Make us feel important. I want to say again, thank you, Tom and thank Priya. Thanks for having us. We'll do uh, three football picks on the, and in the post-show podcast where we'll have Tom there, too. Yes, we will. This has been Black Republican, Black Democrat. I'm Jamar Nelson. And I'm Priya Samsonar. Thanks for having us, guys. Listen to the post-show podcast, and we'll talk to you next week where I think we got another half-hour show, right? And uh, and another pod show, uh, post-show podcast. I'll be in sunny Dallas talking to you guys. So, And I'll be here in cold Minnesota. <laughs> so listen to the show Take then. me with you. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>